somebody said to me once this summer, this idea of kind of like winning the day. Each day is an opportunity, it's all we have. And let's just do one thing at a time to, to win the day, right? Like when I walk home from school, when I walk out to my car at the end of the day, whatever hour that is, I wanna feel like, yeah, okay, today, got it. Like I won the day. Friends, hello, and welcome to 2020. I can't believe it's almost February already. It is wonderful to be back with the YearbookWise podcast. This episode marks the uh, the beginning of season three. I'm going to keep things brief uh, up front. The project, frankly, got away from me uh, late in 2019. Uh, I'm proud to say that my uh, Lego robotics team advanced to the world championships for the second year in a row. That's where a lot of my time and attention went. And Frankly, I'm, I'm trying to just do better with uh, self-care and home time. And uh, as my family gets a, a little bit older and as we're now well into the uh, second year and change of this project, I'm just finding that I need to, uh, to allocate my time and resources uh, a little bit differently. I do hope you are uh, still out there, listeners and subscribers, and that uh, maybe this is a nice little surprise to see this pop up in the feed after uh, so long away. In this episode, again, the first of season three, I talked to the president of the Journalism Education Association and advisor of Whitney Student Media in Rockland, California, Sarah Nichols. Uh, fun fact, Sarah and I uh, figured out a few years ago, probably actually about 10 years ago, when we first met professionally, that uh, as you'll hear in the podcast, uh, Sarah is an alumnus uh, of Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, where I attended, where I met my wife uh, in the marching band. Sarah, as a sophomore, and my wife, Laurelyn, as a freshman, actually lived across the hall from each other in the same dorm. And uh, this was back in the uh, late 90s, and Sarah and I didn't put these pieces together until probably around about 2010 or so, and uh, just had a, an awesome laugh over it when we, uh, when we discovered the connection. At any rate, uh, Sarah is somebody that I look to for inspiration uh, because of the, the quality of her students' work and the tenacity and drive with, with which she uh, addresses her advising and her outreach to advisors uh, coast to coast and, and truly worldwide. Uh, Sarah is a force. Uh, anybody who knows her knows that. She's constantly on the move, as you hear in the podcast. She's uh, very much a, uh, a, a doer. She calls herself a, a type A person. She knows the next thing on the list that's got to get done. But it's really remarkable the amount uh, of work that she does, the uh, willingness that she has to be there and be available to advisors, to me uh, for this podcast and, and other reasons. Um, she is the, the kind of advisor that makes me want to be a, uh, a better advisor. And, and that's why it's such a delight to bring her on the podcast today. I hope you enjoy the listen. Joining me on the podcast today is Sarah Nichols uh, at, from Whitney High School in California. She is with Whitney Student Media, the Details Yearbook. Um, Sarah, today you are not in California, right? I am today, but I'm heading out soon to meet up with some journalism educators at Princeton University or just near there for a Praxis Journalism Group, actually, this that's, weekend. That's what it is, this weekend. Excellent. I, listen, you are somebody that I've come to know over the years is always on the move. Uh, I'm, no doubt we're going to get into your involvement with JEA and everything that you've got going with your program. But can you baseline your student journalism experience with the audience a little bit? Tell us about where you've been and, and, and where you're from and, and how things have gotten to where they are today with you and student media. Sure, absolutely. 
Uh, so my journey started at age 16. I actually heard about all the different classes I could take as my electives in high school, and I really wanted to be on the yearbook staff. It just sounded pretty cool. So I was a part of Elconian Yearbook at Centerville High School in Ohio in the 90s, and I was on staff for two years, which was all that we could do at our school. Um, it was just a junior and senior program. And so I was the people section editor of the yearbook, and then my senior year I was the editor-in-chief. And I just fell in love with journalism, saw all the, you know, just limitless potential for what that could do for people and what that could do for the people producing the media at a school. And was really inspired by my high school journalism teacher, Mark Heron, and just wanted to do and be everything that I saw from him. So I set out to do that in college at Indiana University and specifically knew I wanted to be a journalism teacher and yearbook advisor so that I could create those same opportunities for my own students and open those doors for people as storytellers, but also just as collaborators and critical thinkers and creators and just um, give kids a place to be on campus. And again, all the things that I saw that were really inspiring. So I knew at a very early age that that was for me. And I've been basically doing it ever since. Um, 21 years teaching journalism and advising student media, currently at Whitney High School, which is Rockland, California. And our program is Whitney High Student Media. We produce uh, the yearbook, news magazine, news website, and social media. And uh, let's not bury a lead here, too. You are the current driving force behind the executive board at JEA, correct? Uh, yeah, I do have the really fun opportunity and privilege to be the JEA president. I'm finishing up um, a three-year term, and then um, I will be serving a second three-year term. And that's that's phenomenal news. Uh, this I run this podcast independently. You you can verify if we need to. I don't get anything out of uh, or from JEA for saying this. But those of you listening, if you are not yet members uh, of the Journalism Education Association, it is uh, absolutely the hands down best professional learning community uh, that exists for journalism teachers around the world. And uh, if you're not yet a part of it, all you yearbook advisors out there or other people listening, uh, please join up because the the services, the curriculum, the resources, the list serve, the network, the community, uh, the mentoring relationships, there is so much uh, that comes with JEA that has benefited and changed my life and in instruction. I just can't recommend it highly enough. And, and Sarah, I'm sure we're gonna get into JEA here a little bit. Um, I brought you on today because it's January, and January for me is a uh, is a tough month. I had reached out to you and shared that I, I saw popping up in a lot of the Facebook groups um, a lot of frustrations and concerns. Uh, it, my my staff is shutting down, or half of my staff left, and and I'm not getting new kids at the semester change. January is just tough this time of year. Um, have you experienced that in in your own advising as well? The kind of the January malaise, or however you'd, you'd put it. Absolutely. Yeah, it is the longest of the long months. Um, so many people are saying, you know, is it still January? Like, it just feels forever. And it, it's hard. The days are short, uh, short daylight hours, and kids are really feeling um, the pressure of deadlines. Um, there's that disconnect between seniors who are really getting excited for the next chapter of life, but juniors and sophomores who are really feeling the crunch and intensity of school. And it, it is just a challenge to keep the motivation and energy level at that high spot that you know, uh, you know where you want it to be, but it's just really hard. How have you prioritized, um, and, and this might be for you at Whitney or maybe advice that you've either picked up from other people or, or doled out to advisors in need, but you know, one of the things that I find myself struggling with is, is like tamping out all the, the little fires. And I feel like if I turn my attention to the one on my left, I, I, I'm, I'm doing that, but then the two things 
you know, to my center and right flare up or the, or the 37 things, you know, that I'm not looking at um, flare up. And, and it's like this battle of attrition. And I, th- I feel like that's some of what I'm getting in tone from the advisor groups and just, you know, on texts in our, in our personal networks and, and whatnot of people just struggling to, to keep up with it all. But um, if I can step back a second, prioritization, how do you handle that in your own life in advising? Um, Well, that's a great question. So there's two big questions there. Prioritization, I think, is um, just such a personal thing as to how we each find kind of the drive behind where we allocate our time and energy. Um, It's the biggest decision we make every day, right, of how to use the time we have available since we all have that finite number of hours or minutes or whatever. Somebody said to me once this summer this idea of kind of like winning the day, Um, you know, each day is an opportunity. It's all we have. And let's just do one thing at a time to, to win the day, right? Like when I walk home from school, when I walk out to my car at the end of the day, whatever hour that is, I want to feel like, yeah, okay, today, got it. Like I won the day, not winning in a competitive sense, but just meaning that let's just do these one thing at a time kind of moments where we're really invested. We're really positive. We're really giving the kids our full attention, our full Um, good vibes that we can send out, our patients, all of that good stuff. So I might be super overwhelmed at the prospect of an upcoming deadline or all the work ahead or so many things I have waiting for me. But if I can just have a really great day at school today with these kids, helping them see that if we could just have a really great block, you know, there's 85 minutes together, if we could really engage ourselves and have fun and support each other and power through our to-do list and, you know, tell the stories we're trying to tell, okay, that's all we need to do today. Let's win that. And then tomorrow there will be another one. And then there will be another one. And then there will be another one. And that kind of chunking mentality has really been helpful in winter months um, for me in advising because uh, if the kids start to feel defeated or disinterested, um, it can trickle down fast, right? Like one student can kind of ruin the vibe of a group. And we are seeing that, like you mentioned, you know, those Facebook groups are particularly scary right now. Um, People are literally talking each other out of our profession through Facebook. Um, And I I think one of the things that we see when advisors kind of express that um, challenge of winter months or of um, apathy or, you know, just kind of like the frustration that that is inevitable at some point in an advising career or an editor career or a staff member career, I think um, it's just best not to engage or to engage with a piece of encouragement, you know, relatability, right? Like, oh, hey, we've been there. You know, a good friend of mine posted in the past week that he lost a staff member due to quitting. You know, someone quit staff. And um, I just reached out and said, hey, hey, I feel you, my brother. And I wasn't going to top that with my own anecdote. I wasn't going to chime in with something negative. I just wanted to be there for him to say, hey, we've all had that happen in some similar fashion, if not the, the same. And um, then let's be proactive. Let's boost each other up. Let's talk each other through it. It's like running a marathon or anything else. Let's be a source of encouragement and find some strategies or some culture building activities. And inevitably, like the reminder, this too shall pass, right? After January comes February. Absolutely. And, and I don't know if it's irony or coincidence, and Alanis Morissette could help me sort it out, but isn't it also strange that when we are feeling, you know, glum, frustrated, do I want to do this anymore? My kids are driving me crazy. At least for us at CPP, this is also the time we're trying to recruit for next year because the kids are doing signups right now. And so 
I find like I'm frustrated up in the lab, but then downstairs with kids that are potential candidates for staff for next year, I've got to be, you know, your book's fantastic. And it, it, it is. And I like, I, I truly, I, I live it, I breathe it. But um, there's that, that odd tension of both, it's driving me crazy and I need to be enthusiastic about the next volume that I can't even think about right now. Yes, that is the um, trickiest part of this time of year. We have the same thing happening at our school to, uh, Friday, we have course preview day where kids will hear a little taste of each class they can take. And you have some kids like totally selling your program. They're so excited about the work they're doing. And then other kids are like, oh, I can't wait for this to be over. Um, yeah. And I told my kids directly, I said, I, I know you might want to punch me in the face right now, but please be good ambassadors to the program because right. we need the program to continue. Um, you know, we've, we've dived into kids a little bit here. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what uh, what the Whitney kids look like at, at this time of the year. And, and I will share openly, I am very, very fond of your program and, and how you teach and the work that your kids put out. So I will say up front, I probably have like rainbow glasses when I look at <laughs> the Whitney crew. I know that you see it, you see the good, the bad, the ugly and all the rest. And I, I'm going to guess the first thing you're going to say could be your, your kids feel the same stress that our kids do here in New York and the kids that want to quit down in Florida or having a hard time in Alabama. So how do you, as an experienced advisor, take good care of your kids right now? I think it's an everyday thing, right? Like we are so much in the coaching capacity at this stage. And so nurturing our students little by little, but pretty much constantly um, is a priority for me. Um, just yesterday, we did the cheesiest activity I've come up with in months, but it had to do with uh, hot tamales and junior mints as little candy. And we took our medicine, so to speak, and popped these little candy pills uh, related to a mini lesson we were doing on like reworking some spreads that were in progress. And I just try to find fun little ways uh, to, you know, catch them off guard in a positive way or to do something silly or to reward them or recognize them because they need it on a constant basis right now. Um, I also kind of give the little spiel to them regularly in different ways that they haven't seen the payoff yet. So, you know, a sophomore on staff, for example, or any new to the staff student, they haven't had that feeling of cracking the book's spine and holding it in their hands and sniffing the pages and, you know, running their fingers over the texture of the cover and just all the oohs and ahs and tears, the good kind that, that our veteran staff members know, like they know the payoff, they know like that wait for it, it's going to be amazing feeling. But a lot of the younger or newer kids, like they just, they don't even believe you when you say, oh, this is so amazing. You're going to be so excited. Like, this is so cool. You, they just like have to take your word for it. So I try to find ways to simulate that in, in small stages, you know, with proof pages coming in or with little successes. And I show them pictures over and over and over or video of previous kids looking at their first yearbook that they produced because you have to give them something that they can relate to. Um, it's just way too long of that disconnect if you don't um, find little encouragements and rewards. Do you find it helpful, too, that things that you do uh, at Whitney in September help get through, help you get through January? And, and, and really what I want to drive you at is, is establishing that positive staff culture with be it you know traditions or those you said it was the cheesiest little activity you did but i'm going to guess that's not the first cheesy activity you you've done and so there are 
relief valves or, or things that are part of uh, and foundational to your staff culture that help you through these times, right? Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the heart of it is the staff culture. I mean, we're about people, right? We're people first. So the relationships and the connections we make and kind of establishing this mindset that we are a unified body, like a family or a team, whatever language is, you know, comfortable to each advisor. But to me, I very much think of it as a family and I want my students to feel that it's a family. And so we're not going to let each other down, right? So yeah, games, team builders, icebreakers, cheesy competitions. Um, we have all kinds of weird traditions, you know, whether it's we all decide we're wearing ugly socks one day to, you know, playing Kahoot for an AP style contest to cookie decorating. You know, we, we do things almost every day. It, it might be a one minute activity compared to a 20 minute activity, but we really spend time um, more focusing on our team to, to get that in place um, really heavily in the start of the year. But I think, I think that's the piece. I'm so glad we're talking about this because everybody does it at the beginning of the year. And then in January and February, a lot of advisors or editors stop. And especially those type A editors, I know because I'm as type A as they come, but the type A EICs, they're thinking, no, we have deadline, we have pages, we have proofs, we have to do this, we have to do this, we can't play a game, a game is a waste of time. And they get into this like crazy mindset of just like checking things off a list. And that's why, you know, you do the personality assessments, right? You know who your other staff members are, who know to like put them in check and say, no, we're going to play a game today or we're going to do warm fuzzies or we're going to decorate cookies um, because that absolutely essential this time of year. I mean, it's so, so critical. I, I think to um, establishing. I, so one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today is, is something that this is this is like from the heart, Mike, that I really struggle with is we start the year that way, uh, be it on staff culture or and this is how we uh brainstorm and focus group preparations for a sports spread. We have this neat, you know, we have this neat uh, sheet that we print off Google mm -hmm. Docs and we ask two football players to come up and we just kind of pre-research by actively talking to them. And then by the time that we get to February 1st, it's like, just, just start the wrestling page. Like, forget, we don't have time to talk to the wrestlers. So like us sustaining good ideas and good plans and not losing them to the the frenzy or that drive forward we really struggle with that so i know that you just couched it in terms of of uh, staff culture but could you help me unpack a little bit uh, maybe it's advice you've offered other advisors but you know how do you have a good idea or a good procedure in place but then not lose your grip on it the later you get in the year does that does that make sense yeah, it does. And boy, that's the million dollar question, right? Like I've been telling other advisors, I feel like advising is getting harder instead of easier yeah, over yeah. time. Um, and I, I mean, it's a phenomenal opportunity. It's something I love every day, but it is hard. And um, you're right, those checklists or those systems or those procedures that you really ingrain in your kids, it it is easy for those to, to fall by the wayside a little bit if we're not mindful. Um, I think one thing that works uh, with my staff, one of the things that I train the editors to do is kind of think of it the same way that a musician or an athlete would approach a performance or a game, which is like, you don't just run out onto the field without warming up, right? Like you're going to pull a muscle or you're going to play a bad note because you didn't run through your scales. And so those things that we do, they're there for a reason, right? Like our class is so authentic. We don't have any busy work. We don't have any wasted time. We don't have anything that's like just because, right? So if we created like a pre-interview process or a brainstorming sheet or some kind of checklist that we want our staff to follow, 
it's really intentional. So we kind of remind them, like, don't go out and break your leg because you didn't do your warm-ups. You didn't stretch first. It's kind of the same idea. So, yeah, you could put together a spread, but it's probably going to be pretty bad, and the editors are probably going to kick it back with a lot of feedback of what needs to be worked upon. So you might as well just, like, go out and, like, do the way that we taught you because we had a lot of reasoning behind it, and we really developed those systems and procedures. Right. Right. And, and by following, I love how you said systems and procedures, by following them, you're, you're saving yourself time downstream, because if you rush into it, you're going to be doing way more many corrections, proofs, whatever, whatever you've got. Yeah. Um, let's go back. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I totally want to be clear that um, <laughs> in the era of, you know, podcasts and social media posts, like nobody sees the day to day in someone else's newsroom, right? Like it is not always pretty. Like certainly we have things go about, you know, like total chaos. Um, but our goal is for it to work the way that we've designed it to work. So, you know, you know it's, that's it's, always our hope. It's funny you've said that because I, I, I've been thinking about putting our um, Aaron Manful and the JEA digital media crew do the, uh, you know, I'm I'm this advisor and this is my lab. And there's a photo feature on the, the blogger yeah. website at jeadigitalmedia.org. And I've wanted to do that for so long, but I would need like 48 hours just to clean the place before I felt that it could be shown um, <laughs> on the web. Uh, let's go go back to advising uh, a little bit, and, and I'm going to give you full rights to the soapbox, to the rest. I, I stated up front, I am not getting any kickback from JEA for this, but I cannot sing the organization's praises enough. And, and what I'd like you to, to do is take kind of a twofold, you know, JEA broadly, um, but I think then then if we can, unless you want to mention other, other items, um, mentoring in particular, and those mentored relationships with experienced advisors, because I feel like if we go back to where we started with, again, the, the, the Facebook groups or folks feeling frustrated in the middle of January, feeling very alone. I mean, aren't we the only people in the building that do what we do the way that we do it? I don't have a, a yearbook department to go commiserate with. So I, I'm an island, and I feel that so much right now in the, the deep midwinter. JEA can help, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about some of the ways that, that they can be there and, and, and some of those reasons that advisors uh, should join up if they're not yet members. Absolutely. Um, the simplest way I can kind of pitch the the benefits is just through the name itself, because JEA provides the journalism, the education, and the association. So whether you're thrown into advising with really no background, you know, I, I realize you, you heard my spiel at the beginning. I'm pretty rare that I knew at age 16 this was for me, right? Most people are convinced or coerced or forced into advising and they don't actually have the background. So JEA has access to curriculum, for example. Uh, I mean, we can't teach what we don't know. So if there's something we don't know, dive into the photojournalism curriculum and learn it or dive in and learn how to do feature writing or learn better ways of interviewing. The curriculum itself is a phenomenal resource for yes, um, teaching yourself, not just teaching your staff. You know, if you want to use those lesson plans or um, the slideshows or the assessments, that's great. But some advisors really benefit from just working through it at their own pace to kind of brush up or build their skills. So that's that's first and foremost. Um, the certification piece, I think, is wonderful as well, because sometimes advisors are looking for ways to kind of grow themselves professionally and to gain more credibility with their other stakeholders like administrators or even parents, or if they've come into a new advising position and they're kind of met with some resistance from the staff of like, 
well, our old advisor did it this way, or you don't know what you're talking about. We think senior quotes are amazing. And just, you know, <laughs> little things that, that an advisor might face. Um, being able to say that you're a certified journalism educator or a master journalism educator, you know, that's that's the top level of proficiency in our field. It shows you're not only highly qualified, but you're committed to the the teaching and advising in a very specialized field. So that's that's a pretty amazing benefit that JA offers as well. But in particular, you know, you mentioned mentoring, and I think that's one of the coolest things available to someone new in this role because the JA mentoring program really is designed to develop this personal, close relationship with a veteran advisor who genuinely cares about your success because we want you to stay in the field. We want you to love it as much as we do, and we don't want you to to flounder or to struggle. We, you know, we want to get you like past the survival mode into the thriving mode. And that, that comes with, yeah, curriculum and certification and like knowing your stuff, but it's more than that. You know, like advising could be something different every single day and you need someone to talk to about it and you need someone who's not going to judge you. um, And also someone who's not going to give you bad advice because again, not to throw the Facebook groups under the bus, but I really cringe um, sometimes when I see feedback that is, completely detrimental to a teacher's um, professional growth. Um, There's just a lot of bad advice and I know it comes with good intentions, but uh, it's not vetted and it's just kind of scary if, you know, if someone's taking that at face value and maybe going back to their classroom or trying something with their staff or prohibiting something or deciding something or cutting something or mandating something, um, a mentor from JA has gone through training. And so not just training on how to be a good mentor and what those characteristics are and what those skills are to, to have that relationship, but also the journalistic training and law and ethics training and, um, you know, kind of the, the top tenets of like what it means to be in journalism education. So right. I think that that's such a valuable experience for a beginning advisor. And it's a, it's a two or three year program. So you really have like a lasting relationship after that. But those two or three years are when you're like most in that critical stage of not wanting to, to get it wrong. I think your comments about the, the Facebook groups are, are really apt and neither you nor I, because uh, we're both in, I think, multiple groups and, and spend a lot of time commenting back there. There's such good that can come from them. And, and it's nice to be able to dial into the community and know that your people are out there. I'm thankful, as I'm assuming you are, that there are so many of us who are trained or certified or MJEs or involved in JEA that can chime in and, and redirect some of that. Uh, but there are, as you said, there's, you know, there's some caveats and some concerns there as well. Um, we've got uh, we've got Nashville coming up in April, the National High School Journalism Convention. And uh, I saw just in one of the groups the other day, somebody said, I, I can't bring kids with me. So should I even bother to come or something like that? And I know for both of you and I, it was like a resounding yes. Can you talk a little bit about the, the power of maybe making your first convention trip a, a solo trip as an advisor? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I've referred to it in different ways over the years. I sometimes call it a family reunion or um, it is absolutely like the best professional development. It's a way to unite with your people. And if those are people you've met already, then, you know, you're coming home or you're, you're seeing your friends or you're kind of filling your bucket. But if you haven't been to a convention yet, it's equally amazing just on a whole different level of, you know, seeing someone face to face that you have, you know, like, oh, I listened to his podcast. Oh, 
oh, you're him, you know, like, or, oh, I, you commented on my question and I really appreciate, I, you know, I tried what you said. Thank you so much. Just the in-person connection with your colleagues is an incredible boost, you know, and yeah. to forge new friendships or to meet new contacts and say, hey, like, maybe we could follow up. Like, I'd love to talk to you more about this. Um, that kind of in-person energy and the networking available is so valuable to both beginning and veteran advisors. But beyond that, of course, is the learning itself because the program is just such a robust dynamic offering of every type of session that anyone involved in student media would want, you know, from the really, really broad things of just like, how do I get people to be in my class or join my staff, you know, like recruitment and retention to very specific things like get better audio quality for your podcasts, right. you know, like yep. there's just every type of session available in that breakout format and speakers are really generous with um, following up or sharing materials or being a contact after that session. So I can't say enough good things about how much we all learn, uh, how much we all connect and um, how it really does reward all of the students and their work that they do day in and day out, but also like uh, boost their skills and their confidence in getting ready to do it again or to keep doing it. You know, it's a really great training ground for younger kids who are getting ready to gear up for next year. Absolutely. Uh, Sarah Nichols, elevator pitch uh, right here to wrap us up. What's, uh, what's one good read that you would recommend to a, uh, a yearbook advisor, uh, any journalism advisor out there who's really feeling January right now? What's one good book? Um, well, honestly, I would say like pick your guilty pleasure. Like I'm reading this completely unauthorized biography about um, about Meryl Streep because I love <laughs> Queen Meryl. Like, Who doesn't? My friend Meryl. So yeah, I think at this January, you need to take care of yourself. So if, okay. if that means like if you go to seven Oscar nominated movies in the next week, like please do. It means if you eat all of the buffalo wings and guacamole at the Super Bowl party, like please do. January needs to be about whatever an advisor can do to just, you know, restore, recharge, um, refill. But from a, like a teaching or um, advising standpoint, um, one of the authors or speakers or kind of like gurus that I really like is Simon Sinek. And mm, so yes. uh, over the winter break, I just read The Infinite Game. And I will recommend that. Uh, I think it's really great. The mindset, you know, the concept of The Infinite Game is just this idea, um, rather than like short-term victories or very specific goals. It's more about being in it for the long haul and kind of like, what are you really all about? What's your big, big thing that um, is way broader than making the best yearbook this year? You know, like maybe it's bigger than that. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool. It talks about short-term and long-term thinking and the approaches that we take and how they're very, very different. And um, I found a lot of helpful takeaways to advising. So highly recommend that. It's called The Infinite Game. Uh, I, I can't wait to add it to my list. I'm nine books in already on 2020. I've been reading a ton, and uh, and thank you for that. Uh, Sarah, it, it is is and continues to be a delight to know you, and I'm so grateful for everything that you pour, heart, soul, mind, energy into your work with your students and also JEA for the, the betterment of all of us. So thank you for making the time today on the podcast, and thanks for being here to help us kick off Season 3. Of course. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun talking to you, as always, Mike. You know, that concept that Sarah mentioned early in the interview of winning the day, I think that's going to be something that I, I really focus on bringing away from our conversation this afternoon, both personally and also professionally. The myriad ways that we are uh, or that demands are put on us on any given day from addressing, you know, these captions to coordinating group photo day to, 
uh, dealing with or interacting with our athletic directors or a rookie member or an editor that we need to talk off the ledge. There's just so much going on for all of us right now. Just take it that day at a time and know that you've got another day tomorrow. I want to thank Sarah again for helping us kick off season three of the Yearbook Wise podcast. So grateful for her making the time uh, as she's uh, about to go wheels up to New Jersey uh, for the weekend. I want to remind you if you want to reach out to provide some feedback or uh, suggest episode topics or ways that this content and, and resource could be useful to you and yours or those in your network, you can always reach me via email at iteachyearbook at gmail.com and at yearbookwise, that's yearbook, W-H-Y-S, on Twitter. And it would be great to hear from you as we roll along uh, in and through season three. I've got a couple neat concepts in the pipeline, some advisors I'm hoping uh, that we'll be able to make mutual time for each other and get behind the microphone to, uh, to bring you those stories and interviews. But for now, friends, as we uh, stare February straight in the face, be well, good luck. We'll talk soon. <laughs>